Hello and welcome. You've tuned in to the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. Because we're talking about James, going back through James and the faith that is alive. And let me begin reading, if I might. Let me just back up a little bit to verse 20. I I think I said 21, but let me read 20 through 26, the end of chapter 2. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. We might just come back and say, wait a minute, what does he mean that you are justified by works? We're going to talk about a faith that is alive today. We've looked at some of the illustrations James has given. We have seen in the past James gives us the negative and then a positive, or a positive and a negative. And that's what he's done here. He's shown us this is what we are not about, the partiality. When we see somebody who is without, who's destitute, we are not without compassion. We should have compassion. When we see someone who says that, well, I believe all of the truths, and yet there's no change in their life, then he's just like the demons. So we saw all of those negatives, and you remember that. I know it's been a little while since we've gone through James, and I'm so glad to get back to this. I hope that in all of that, and you're remembering those things, we understand that there is a faith that does not save. What? What? A faith that doesn't save? And I'm going to use my own life as an illustration, and maybe you have an illustration from your own life. Because I was raised in a home where we celebrated Easter, so I believed in God, I believed in the resurrection, I believed that Christ raised from the dead. We celebrated Christmas, I believed that Christ came to the world, that He was the Son of God. I had all of this head knowledge, went through 12 years of Catholic school, had Bible classes, learned some different stories, learned this and learned that. I had a head knowledge of God. I believed that there was a God, that there was one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. However, my life was not transformed. I had never been saved. I had never been convicted until I sat under an old-time Baptist preacher, Brother Lester McAllister. And I tell you, I remember sitting there holding on to, they were some beautiful carved pews in that, in that church. But I held on. <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't sure. I didn't know. I didn't know what it was to accept Christ as Savior. So it's possible to believe in God and the Lord Jesus Christ and have all the Orthodox faith and miss 
the true faith. That's why James has been telling us this. And now we have the positive side in all of this. In today's verse, he identifies, say that you have faith, but there are no works. It's like a dead corpse, good for nothing. It's all in a casket, all dressed up. Looks very lifelike, but it has no breath, no movement. It's just like a mannequin with a painted smile. And we remember what James has told us in the past, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. That means he's calling us to action. Faith, says James, without a corresponding change of life, without a, that transformation, without that being born again, without some product has no evidence, and therefore it's not real. Real faith is always going to then have a fruit, an evidence. It's going to be showing something. It's going to be known by its righteous deeds. If there's an absence from deeds, if there's an absence from works, then we have to look and see, was our faith genuine? Was our faith real? So that's what James is talking about, because here he has kind of an, uh, shall I say, it, kind of an antagonist, someone who's one of the Jews, and he's like an, in an argument as such. He's explaining something as if somebody was right there saying, oh, I have, I have faith. I don't need any works. I'm saved by faith alone. And that is true. You are saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But the absence of good works is an indicator that there may have been an absence from a real saving faith. Because why? Faith is invisible. You can tell me you have faith, but I can't see that faith unless you show it to me. And you can't show me that faith unless you show it through a transformed life. And I think that's really what James is getting at. It's not enough to say you have faith. That doesn't prove anything. It's merely an affirmation that you may or may not, may or may not be true. Faith, in a sense, it's kind of like the wind. You can feel its effect, but it's, you can't see it. Or maybe it's like electricity. I changed a uh, <laughs> 220 outlet. And... Thank God for my brother-in-law and brother Danny that I could get on the phone because when I tested the outlet, it was hot. The whole thing was hot. <laughs> Plug, everything was electrified. I had done something wrong. <laughs> so thank God I was able to go back and get it right. So now you plug it in. It doesn't burn up the house and the appliances and all of those sorts of things. But electricity, you can't see it, but you can feel it. You can enjoy its the results, right? When it's plugged in correctly. Or it's maybe like radio waves. We know that they're real, but you can't see them. They're invisible, but we can appreciate their effects. So faith is not known to be real until it's evident in your life, in your actions, in your deeds. That's why James kept going back and saying, faith without works is dead. He said that in chapter 1, verse 22. And then again, over and over, he said, faith without works is dead. So really what he's wanting you to make sure that you have a true living faith. 
We've seen all of the dead faith. We've looked at all of those areas, but now we're contrasting to see the living faith. And it's like he's debating a Jew that's been saved and who is saying, well, we're out of legalism. It's called antinomianism. And we're doing our thing. Faith is fine. Faith is enough. Well, James really structures that thinking around that kind of an argument. Maybe there was really somebody that was saying that, or maybe this is a hypothetical. We don't know. But he's making his point to constitute this is what's real living faith. And he uses three illustrations. Just as he used three illustrations before of dead faith, here, number one is Abraham. It's verses 21 through 24. Let's look at those again. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Now let's break this down. Let's look at this. Let's really examine all of these aspects and see what James is truly telling us here. Because was Abraham justified by works? Well, we understand, I think, what James is saying when he says, was not Abraham our father? Let's just take this back. Abraham our father. Now he's speaking to saved Jews. So maybe he's speaking of that in a kind of a racial setting, in that sense that in the Jewish sense, was he saying that Abraham was our father because he started the Hebrews? That could be. However, I think in Romans chapter 4, and you might want to just hold your place there in Romans 4 or, or hold up in James 2, because in Romans chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome, and then he says, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? So now he's telling some Gentiles, this Gentile church, who that Abraham was our father. So I think James has more in mind that our father Abraham was that of all people who believed unto salvation. Abraham was the father of all those that trusted Christ. So he's not just talking about it uh, in the national sense, to, in the Jewish sense, in the uh, racial sense. He's talking about it in the sense that if you are of the faith. That's why I gave you Galatians chapter 3 in the notes, because it says, because Paul says there in Galatians 3, 7, Know ye therefore that they who are of faith, the same are the sons of Abraham. Down in verse 9, it says, They who are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So we understand now that he is our model of faith. We kind of follow after his example. We are somehow connected to Abraham because he was a man of faith, and that's what we're going to see. So Abraham, in that sense, is the father to the faithful. He set the model for the believing Christian to believe in God. So he's the, I don't know if I, whether that I can say the first, but he's kind of the classic ancient illustration of saving faith, that all of the specifics are given. That was Abraham. James identifies Abraham not only as the father of the Jews, but the father of all those who believe. And then 
Was not Abraham then our father? Here's the key word, James 2, justified by works. Aha, now, now we get into immediately. Isn't there something maybe within us, everything that's evangelical says, what? Wait, justified by works? We know that no one is justified by works. What does he mean he's justified? He's considered right with God. But in Romans chapter 4, what shall we say then? That Abraham, our father, uses that same phrase, as pertaining to the flesh, has found, if Abraham were justified by works, he had something of which to glory, but not before God. Notice that, but not before God. So James says Abraham was justified by works. Paul says if Abraham were justified by works, he'd have something to glory, but not before God. But what does the scripture say? Verse 3, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him that works is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. In other words, if he earned it, it wouldn't be grace. And if he could have done something that God owed him, but to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So what Paul says is Abraham wasn't justified by works before God. He was justified by faith. He was justified by grace. He was justified by faith, not works. And he goes on and he talks about that a little more in verse 6 doesn't he? Just as he says that David also described the blessedness of the man unto God, unto whom God imputes righteousness apart from his work, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord would not impute sin or put sin to his account. So in verses 1 through 8, Paul's saying, Abraham's justified by faith, not works. And then starting down in verse 9, he says he was justified by grace, not law. And all the way through verse 17, he makes the point that Abraham is justified by grace, by grace, by grace through faith. So it comes to verse 16, and it says, And if it is a faith that it might be by grace, by faith and grace is that whole emphasis. First, justified by faith. Then the emphasis turns to grace. So in that third section, verse 18, then following, he talks about, he says that he was justified by God's divine power. No human effort. It's really saying the same thing over and over again. It was God's power. It was God who did it. It was God's working in their behalf. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's verse 24. The whole argument of Romans 4 is Abraham was saved by faith. Abraham was saved by grace. Abraham was saved by God's divine power. Not human effort. Very, very strong statements on salvation. That it was without works. That's parallel to what Paul tells the church of Galatia in chapter 3. And it's very close because here he says that Abraham believed God. He's the father of the faithful, those that believe. And he says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. In verse 11, it says, no man is justified by the law. The just shall live by faith. So he's going back and he's explaining, he's very, very clear in Galatians 3 and Romans 4, that Abraham was justified by faith through grace. 
By the way, grace is God's unmerited favor and graciously giving us salvation. Because Christ lives is the gift of God, according to Ephesians chapter 2. That God gives us that blessing, that he gives us faith, hope, and love. So on the one hand, Paul seems to be saying, and rightly saying, well, salvation and justification is by grace. And now here comes James. And James is saying that the same man, the same illustration, Abraham is justified by works. How do we understand this? Well, notice Romans 4 and 2. It gives us the distinction. It says that if Abraham, if Abraham were justified by works, he would have something to glory about. In other words, he could pat himself on the back. He could say, look at what I've done. But now get this. You cannot be justified by works before God, he tells us. Not before God. So he put that little but that's in there so that we can grasp what he's saying. You cannot be justified by works before God. You cannot be justified only by, except by faith. And that righteousness then is imputed to you. In verse 6, verse 11, 22, 23, you're justified by faith when you put your faith in God through Jesus Christ. So God grants you that imputed righteousness. Otherwise, we have been spiritually bankrupt. We're morally bankrupt. But now when we've put our faith into Jesus Christ in God, God deposits in that bankrupt account. He deposits life. He gives us something. And now the presence of God is alive in your life. So Paul in Romans 4 quotes Genesis 15, 3 through 6. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's Genesis 15, 3 through 6. Abraham believed God and it was of righteousness was put to his account is the way it actually reads, the literal. God deposited that righteousness. God put that in there. Righteousness was a gift. When you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, his righteousness comes upon you. Now you've been made righteous. You've received that gift of God. Salvation by grace through faith. We understand those. Abraham's experience was like that. The condition of his life, according to Genesis 15, 6, it says, he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Aha. Abraham is saved the very same way. He's the father of all those believe. The New Testament tells us over and over. Now, Abraham did not have the New Testament, didn't even have the Old Testament, did he? He didn't have those things. But as much as God had revealed about himself, he believed God. He believed what God had revealed about himself. He didn't know yet about Christ. He didn't know the fullness of God's revelation. That was still closed to him. But what he did know he knew something about the character of God. He knew something about who God was, and he understood there was no salvation by works. In Romans 3, 20, it says, By the deeds of the law will no flesh be justified in his sight. And on the other hand, it said in verse 24, Justified freely by his grace. So, we are made right with God by His grace. He gives us that grace. It's dispensed on us. We respond in believing faith, and that's God's grace, and we're saved, and there's no works involved. Well, what does James believe that? In James 2, 23, he quotes the very same scripture. 
The scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So James understands Genesis, right? James understands what, what it said in Genesis 15, and he understands exactly what that means, and he's quoting the very same text that the Apostle Paul quotes in Romans 4. Abraham is justified before God. That's the key idea, before God through faith. Now, follow me with this, <laughs> because what I want you to see, he was justified before God through faith. But God was working in his heart, and when God told him in Genesis chapter 12, by the way, Abraham is probably about 75 years old, and God says, get up. Get up and go to a land that I will show you. Get out of this land. Leave your people. Go into a land that I will show you. He was called to go from Ur of the Chaldees. He left the pagan land. He packed up everything. He followed his faith in the true God. How much revelation he had? Probably very little. But he trusted and believed God. God had worked in his heart. There was a response to his faith. He started that walk of faith. He started that life of faith. And at that particular point, righteousness had been given. We see and understand that righteousness had been given. So maybe you're asking, well, then what does James mean when it says here that was not Abraham our father justified by works? So was Abraham justified by faith before God, but he was justified by works before men? Understand that. Before God, no man is justified except by faith through grace. But before man, Abraham is justified before men so they could see it. That's the whole point that James has been telling us. We've got to live out our faith. We have to show people the only way that someone else can know that you are re genuinely redeemed, that I'm genuinely saved is by seeing a pattern of godliness, the evidence in your life. That's exactly what James is showing us. The only way you can know it is to see it in your life, and it is the justification before men that James has in mind. That's why Paul was emphasizing justification before God. James is emphasizing a vindication of man's claim to salvation before other men. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed the message. We trust you have been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions, or perhaps you have questions of a different topic, let us know. Our information is given on the website, or can reach us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.